just remember this is terrible. It's kind of, we see these things happen all around, don't we? But when it hits close to home, I mean, any, of it, we, any one of us could have been at the Allen Outlet Mall yesterday, and we understand. Melissa, yes, let's pray for Melissa. I'm ringing my kind of badly. Yes. Okay. That's great. The Lord's moving. That's it. That's it. That's that's excellent. And that's how God just does what he does. I don't know how he does what he does, but he does what he does. Yes. Yes, John. Yes, we need to remember Kenny Murdoch. He is in his final stages of life. And if the Lord doesn't touch him, Mike went and saw him yesterday, and he is um, in and out of lucidness. Very, very little lucidness. So let's, let's, let's remember them, him and Nelda and their family. Anybody else? Yes. So your mom during this time. Yeah. Let's pray. Pray for this family as she's coping with this new reality. Yes. Yes. Absolutely, just a struggle on her body. Let's let's pray. Let's, Lord, we thank you. God, we are so thankful for your protection, God. We're thankful, Lord God, for your blessing. We thankful we are thankful, God, that you hear and answer prayer. Lord, I thank you that you're dealing with families, with salvation, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that you are moving in their lives, Lord God, and you're getting their attention, using their circumstances, Lord God for your glory and for their salvation. And I ask, Lord God, you touch people who are suffering in their body. For Melissa, God, I pray for the Murdoch family, Lord God, that you would be with them, Lord, in this time. Lord, I just ask, Lord God, that you would bless us, Lord God, that you would heal, that you would restore, that you would move, that you would bless, God, us financially, mentally, physically, and our families, God. Give us favor today, I pray in Jesus' name. Open our ears to hear. Amen. Let's all turn to Romans 11. I'm just looking to see if that's where I want to go. I want to go to Romans 11. Now, um, next week, God willing, and my three-year-old granddaughter doesn't strike, we will have a, I will have a full worksheet for you to read with Revelation. It will have a lot of commentary and things, so because I know this is a lot of information, it'll be all in one place. Now, are you? am I saying this is not, this is just information and other scriptures to cross-reference that are sort of will go along with how we're going to be teaching this class. I wrote about four pages of it, and um, I didn't close my computer, and my three-year-old granddaughter went in and deleted it all. Could not recover it. Couldn't recover it. So... No, 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 it's lost. It was totally lost. But you know what? I just decided, well, I'm going to know it really good by the time I finish. And um, thanks, Violet. Love it. So she got in a little trouble for that because last time she went in my office, last week she cut her hair. So, and th- so she just not allowed my office. 
she's just not allowed in my, every time I see her in my office, I'm violent, and she's like, <laughs> she just can't cope with all the temptations in my office. And so, uh, oh, you know what I did yesterday? This is what happens when I have my three grandbabies. I was cooking biscuits, and I put my cast iron skillet in the oven to heat up, right? No, it wasn't. Oh, then I started looking for it, Ray. I looked and looked. I went and asked Mike, have you seen my cast iron skillet? I was like, I can't find it anywhere. Did you? He's like, I didn't put it up. He said, I didn't put it up, I swear. I said, well, somebody, because it's gone. It's gone. And then I thought, what's in the oven? I can hear, my, and I open it. There's my cast iron skillet heating in the oven, which I had already put in there with butter and grease in it. I didn't need to tell you all that, but I... So now, as we start our study today, if I say something that sounds crazy, just know I probably am. <laughs> what does that say about you listening to me? <laughs> Who are y'all? I know, we're all just nuts in a bag, exactly. Anyway, that's why uh, young people should have toddlers. Okay, I'm just going to start reading right here, guys. I'm going to read, you, you're at Romans 11, stay there. I want to read Luke 20, 34 through 36. Jesus said to them, the sons of this age marry and are given, given in marriage. The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. Y'all can all comprehend that, right? Because y'all are all sons and daughters of this age. And you, we all see, mar how many of you have been to a wedding? Yeah, of course. So Matthew 24, Jesus says that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man, Right? How, what does he recognize that it would be in the days of Noah right there? They would be eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, right? So what he's saying is, is that marrying and giving in marriage is a, is a earmark of the sons and daughters of this age. Now, Let's go on. So that's of this age. Now let's read on a little bit further. But those who are considered worthy to attain to that age, so we've got two ages in the scripture, right? We've got this age, eating and drinking and giving in marriage, and we've got that age and the resurrection from the dead. So from the resurrection of the dead will inaugurate a new age, which is called that age. This age, that age, two ages. Neither those sons, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot even die anymore because they are like angels and the sons of God being sons of the resurrection. So now we've got a whole lot of information packed in this two little thing. We've got two ages, this age, marked by what? Marriage and given in marriage. Why do we marry and give in marriage? I heard it. To populate. It's what he said here, right? And he said, of that age. Now, why don't they, of that age, give in marriage? Because there's no need for procreation. Why? Because you can't die. So, that age. When you're resurrected, see? We've got this. So, right now, you live... We all are sons and daughters of this age. Can all of us die? Do How many of y'all been to marriages and what, what is the purpose of marriages? 
to create families covenant whereby children are born, whereby population is continued on. Pretty simple concept that's put in your life. Oh, I didn't know it was saying that. It's just super simple. Then there's another, we know that there's this age and then there's another age. And the other age for us who are coming from this age and we're going to migrate at some point to that age. And how are we going to do so? There's two, there's two ways. Die or be here when Christ returns, right? Those are your two avenues into that age. And when you enter into that age, there's something that's going to happen to you. You don't find it in the scripture, but you know by looking at other scriptures what's going to happen to you. You're going, and the mortal, thank God I won't be worried about where my pan's at, and the mortal shall put on immortality. You're going to put on this new immortality, and the corruptible will put on incorruption, and you are going to be like the angels. You're not going to be an angel. Like means you are going to be eternal. Cool. Therefore, you will have no need to procreate. And as a result of that, you will have no need to marry or give in marriage. Because under God's perfect plan, procreation happens within a man and a woman in marriage. That's just all in two little verses there. It's just all, but it's all in there if you know how to unpack it. So we've got two ages. That's all I really want to point out to you. There's, there is this age and there's that age. Y'all got that? Okay, this and that. And there's some differences in the two, right? So now we're going to go to Romans 11. Okay, I'm, going with, I'm starting with verse 22. I'd hope you'd read the whole chapter at some point and really digest it. I have what, not, I didn't invent this term. I heard it somewhere. But with regard to our covenant that we stand in in Christ, I have an olive tree theology. Olive tree theology. Olive tree theology, I believe, is broken out right here. Now, let's read this, and we'll find out what I mean. Consider, therefore, the kindness and the severity or sternness of God. Wait a second. We don't talk about that verse a lot, do we? What do we talk about all the time? The kindness, the kindness, the kindness. How many of y'all are glad for that? It's a real thing, right? And it's not a minor topic, then we should major on it. But then also, what is the other side to it? There's kindness and severity. The kindness and the severity of God. Sternness to those who fail, but kindness to you. Okay, we've got two people we're talking about here. Provided that you continue in his kindness. Can I read this again all together? Consider, therefore, the kindness and the severity of God. Severity to those who fail, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off. I can say it again. The word says it all day long, so I can say it again. Consider, therefore, the kindness and the severity of God. Sternness to those who fail, but kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. 
uh, you, if you're saved and you're good, that's good. But exactly. But let's go on and let's unpack this some more. If we just set this here by itself, we don't really have the context for it, do we? Some of you are already getting a little squishy on me. You're like, because your Baptist doctrine just got tapped a little bit. You know what I mean? It just got, it got flumped a little bit. But let's go ahead and go with it. How many of you, let's go. Well, I was once saved and I'm still saved. But <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And if, and what confused you, I'm the one with the pan lost. And if they do not, okay, now listen. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they, we're speaking, the they here, if you read, is Israel. They're talking about Israel here. I've been around my four-year-old too long. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. Otherwise, okay, so we've got, we've got two people here. We've got you being the Gentile church, and we've got them being Israel. And we've got a situation, if you're a farmer or you know anything about orchard farming, you know grafting is a way to bring about the fruit you want, right? How many have ever grafted or you've seen grafting? Right. So you take a, you take a, I think it's called a scion, a piece of the grafting material, and you put it, you make a slice into your tree, and you put the grafting material in, and it will grow, and you can, you can cultivate the stock you want from the root system provides the tree and the branch holds the fruit. Now it makes a lot more sense when it says you, I am the vine and you are the branches. Right? Every branch in me that beareth fruit, I purge or clean so it bears better fruit. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, severity. Now, it doesn't mean you're here, 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 here. Now, don't get too binary. What do I mean? Don't get too black and white. God is what? Long-suffering. Not wanting any to perish, but all to receive everlasting life. So it's not like, it's not like you got saved on Sunday and the pruning shears came out on Monday. Just come on, make my day. You know, we've got this, we've got this dirty, hairy version of God. You know what I mean? That it's just like, he's just waiting just to, I just want to kill somebody. You know, I got a hair trigger kind of a thing. God wants you to be saved and grow and be nurtured in his grace. He's not looking for a reason to get rid of you. But he will use his severity all the way through disciplinary processes, letting you suffer under the life you've chosen until the suffering of the life you've chosen becomes so unbearable that you repent. And if you choose not to repent, you big dummy, then he will continue in that severity route until there's left with no other option because of your own stubborn, insolent unbelief to do what? Cut you off. See, severity is a process, not an event. So let's just get that. You know what I mean? You're not in on one day and out on the next and in on one day and out on the next. I want you all to get out. That, that does not help anybody. 
God is loving. But there is, there isn't an open-ended reality to you living a life of perpetual unbelief that has no fruitfulness and you going, I think I'm good. You see what I mean? That's not faith. That's not a life of faith. Just because you've invented a version of yourself you think is true, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, I'm going to go with the Word on this one and not you, as you should do with me too. So let's look at this. So otherwise you will be cut off. And if they, Israel, the Jews, do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you, who were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature, were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, a cultivated olive tree, which is Israel. You see what I mean there? It was cultivated. How was Israel cultivated? It was cultivated. It started with who? Abraham. God then moved Abraham. He gave them the eternal promise that he would bless them and they would be a, his blessing would be upon them and their seed. For how long? Forever. And the whole earth would be blessed because of them. Cultiv he continued the cultivation of Israel in that he gave them Moses the prophet. And he through Moses, what did he give them? The Torah, the law, the instructions in righteousness, the sacrificial system. He gave them, he gave them David who becomes the type of the, the king that will fall, that Christ will sit on the throne of David. See the, you see the cultivation? Cultivation takes years. So we are, we are cultivated. So he's saying they're cultivated, guys. They've been cultivated in Yahweh worship, in Jehovah worship. They're cultivated in this covenant. They've been trained from the time they were children. You're a bunch of wild olive branches. You came out of paganism. You came out of nothing that was cultivated in the things of God. But yet he in his grace was willing to do what? Graft you into the cultivated vine. How good is that? So let's keep going. How much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? How much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all of Israel will be saved. Who will be saved? And we're talking about every single, no, we're not talking about every single person. We're talking about the, na the nation here that's on the ground at the time. There's a, there's a remnant. All of Israel, so Israel will be a saved nation. It's going to be more than a saved nation. It's going to be ground zero for messianic kingdom come to earth as it is written the deliverer will come from zion and he will turn godlessness away from jacob <clears throat> so he's going to come and he's going to turn godlessness away from jacob now this is after the cross right so he's already come once so what's he going to do he's going to come again and in that second coming what's going to happen 
He's going to turn godlessness away from Jacob, another name for Israel. Okay, where am I at? And this is my covenant with them. Then I will take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. Why are they, why does God still have a covenant with Israel? Because he elected it way back here with the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so he's not, if, you know what? If he can break his covenant with Israel, we are all in a heap of poo. Because what that means is he can go back on his word. And at what point can he go back on any of his word? So, but we're glad. We're glad he doesn't go back on his word. So there's this hardening that's in place right now for Israel. But when's it going to end? When the fullness when the fullness of the Gentiles come in and when the fullness of the Gentiles are grafted into that wild or these wild branches you bunch of wild branches are grafted in you knew you were wild grafted I mean we got a Cajun back there if he can get into heaven we can all get in so I mean it doesn't get any wilder than that right so we're going to graft them in but see what's going to happen when you're grafted in the branch is going to take on what The lightness of the root. I mean, y'all tell me how you're changed. You plug me into that root of Christ, and I will do things that you can't believe. I will go from a moron to a genius by faith. I will go from a hellion to a saint. I can go from a, a dope-smoking alcoholic to a, you know, I don't even do that anymore kind of person. Like, who wants to do that? That sounds really... How many of you have come... Use, how many of you have come out of that lifestyle and now to think about doing it sounds ridiculous? You got new juice from the root. See, there's something you've been you've been grafted in. You got grafted in, and all of a sudden, like I got grafted in. It was kind of how many of y'all was kind of uncomfortable at first. You know, the the graft was new and it was tender. And there's a lot of people get in that graft when it's new and tender, and it doesn't take because they don't know. It is, and they don't know how the process is going to go. You know what I mean? They're still trying to act like the old wild vine, the old wild branch. They're still trying, but it doesn't work that way anymore. You See, that wasn't the offering. That wasn't what God was offering. He wasn't offering to come into your wildness and turn somehow your wildness into something pretty and, like, make drug addiction and, and your, your moronic behavior somehow holy. He didn't come to change the nature of sin. Sin's sin. He came to change the nature of man. And he did that by grafting you in to a system that's cultivated in heaven. I mean, if you, and see, why is understanding here so important? It's so important because if you don't know what's happening, then you'll just keep jumping out of the graft. How many of you jumping out of the, have ever jumped out of the graft? 
You came to the altar, but you didn't really know what was going on, did you? You thought you were going to leave there and everything was just going to be, you were going to be busted out fruit right and left and, you know, 30 seconds after. And as soon as you walked out, the same person flipped you off when you cut them off in traffic. And the next thing you know, you were cussing them up one side and down the other. You thought, well, I guess I didn't get anything. See? But see, faith says, wait just a second. That's, and some people have a real dramatic change. It's like the graph just sears and goes. You know what I'm talking about? But in there, and maybe even in your life, there were areas that seared over real quick and other areas were kind of left a little loose-ended. You know what I'm talking about? It's still a little bit, ugh, it's still a tender, I'm still a tender graft. Yes, because as we renew and we work with the word and the graft gets stronger, but here's, I think, the fundamental flaw in the design of, of organized religion. We don't tell people how tender the graft is. We're like, you've come to church and you've said the prayer and you've been grafted, but you're still tender. Let me tell you what, buddy or buddy at. Whatever you do, don't miss church because Satan is willing. You're so easy to pick out that graft right now. All you got to do is just one little thump, the right windstorm come along, and the graft is lost, right? But if I tell you this is a tender joint right now, so you better be in the place where we can cover it and we can nurture it and we can protect it so if you go out and cuss 10 people that's okay just come back and make confession you know what I'm saying don't go out and cuss 10 people and then not show back up and then cussing 10 people turns into drinking 10 beers and drinking 10 beers turns into drinking smoking six joints and smoking you know six joints turns into sleeping with 10 women and then pretty soon you're laying face down in a ditch again Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, this looks, I see this happen all the time. I'm telling you, right now, some of you are still in a tender stage. You know what Satan's trying to do? And so, and it's that, and you feel, you know what you feel? Offended. Because you're so used to your old olive, wild, your old wild ways. And this is a whole new way of doing things. You don't know what it feels like to be cultivated. Just hang on. Just hang on. So it does get easy. You know why? The graft gets stronger. And then when the wind of circumstance comes and shakes that branch, it's as though the graft was as strong as any other natural born branch. You see what I'm saying? And you just hold on. The graft will strengthen and you will grow and it will become bark will enter up, will, will wrap around that. And people will look at that. And even a person who who is who is skilled in grafting will be able to run their fingers along and go, I don't even know where that graft is at anymore. Isn't that good? But you've been grafted into Israel. The cult of not the nation the covenant yeah the covenant of a you've not been grafted into Moses now Moses is in the graft Moses is in the juice you know what I'm saying is in the is in the roots it's in the stalk but what have you ultimately been grafted into Abraham y'all are getting so smart you're already smart I'm just catching up with y'all you're grafted into Abraham 
See, Moses came from Abraham. He's part of the stock. It's all in there, though. It's important to us. It's not like we go, let's get that, let's get that. That's what a lot of people try to do. They try to get Moses out. And what they wind up trying to do, they wind up weakening the entire thing, don't they? I mean, what? Yeah. How can you get, how can you get Moses out of it? He's in the rings. See? Graft. Yeah. Because it has to do with grafting. Well, you're, I wasn't cut from good stock, but I was added to good stock. <laughs> I come from a long line of losers. And one day when I was 11 and the Lord came along and, and he just, he cut off, he cut me off of that old stock. And here I, it was scary. It was scary. All I had to do, now listen. Listen, what I had to do, I was only 11 at Vacation Bible School. But school. I'm telling you, I've I'm, I'm got violetism on me. But as soon as I stepped out of that pew to walk down that aisle, faith, I initiated faith. See, the invitation was there. It was there. Lord, Holy Spirit's going to come on, come on, come on. You can do this, you can do this, you can do this. But I didn't. I was like, no. My wild stock was speaking. You know what I'm talking about? My long line of losers was just yelling in my ear. You can't do this. And finally, I couldn't, I couldn't hold it anymore. I was about to die. I was sweating, and I was, my heart was racing. And I finally, I took that first step. And when it happened, he cut that branch. And as that branch, for that moment, for just that moment, from the, from the pew to the preacher's hand, I was like this lone branch just going to his hand. And then when the preacher took my hands, instantly he grafted me in to a whole new vine. And I knew it. I knew it in the moment. Now, it was still a tender graft, and I was still only an 11-year-old child, if you know what I mean. But see, still from that day forward, I have been enjoying the sap of a cultivated root that is attached to glory. You just try to, you think I'm any match for the devil on my own? No. But when you get me grafted into that vine, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Every tongue that rises against me in judgment will be condemned. I then say, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Who formed you, O oh Jacob? I'm like, Jacob, I'm, I'm grafted in that vine. I will be with, see what I mean? This is how this works. I don't replace Israel. I become a part of the plan of the ages. That's why I can't go with replacement theology. Martin Luther did a lot for us. But one of the things he didn't do for us was properly define what the olive tree theology was. And he said that the church was now the replacement, was the true Israel. No. No. Israel's Israel. You can't, con you can't connect them from the land. You think you can, you know why? And that was easy to say in 1542 or whenever. Why, you know, they didn't understand it. And even if they did understand it, you know what they didn't see at that time? They didn't see a nation. And since there was no nation in formation and, they, and Israel was scattered to the four winds, it was easy to say, it was easy to say, hey, Israel, Israel is no more. 
right? But then in 1948, this week is a matter of fact, this is Israel celebrating their independence. Who saw it coming? Right on the heels of the worst event Israel ever suffered was the Holocaust. Great Britain had control of what we know now as the Holy Land, and they turned it back over to Israel as a nation. And then some number of years later, 1967, they fought the Six-Day War, and they took the capital of Jerusalem back over. And the world had to stop and say, well, how could this be? How could a nation be born in a day? We thought the church replaced them. And so all of a sudden, we had to start altering our theology, but a lot of people didn't. Because you still follow along what Luther became, the Lutherans, then the Presbyterians, the Methodists. And, they're, you know, they're all good people. <clears throat> but we come now from another position. Those who, who looked at 1948 and 1967, we have a different viewpoint of Israel. I mean, how many of you know when Katrina hit the coast, George Bush, George W. Bush, had signed the Palestinian Agreement and convinced and, and said that a so-called peace agreement, <clears throat> y'all probably didn't even know this, on the day Katrina hit south of the United States, they were digging up Israelites from graves to remove them out of the Gaza Strip losing land to give it to the Palestinians. Well, it's just a, you know, we don't, you don't get, you don't get news like that. So what happens is, see, there's a, so what I say here, <clears throat> there is a direct correlation with what goes on with Israel and what goes on with the rest of the world. And, you know, why is it so important, that land? He's got a plan for that land. He's coming to, he's, yeah, we're not, why does the devil want the land so bad? This is not even hard to figure out, is it? So, yeah, and his arrogance, he thinks he can, so here we keep going. Okay, 32, for God has bound everyone under disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. Another, okay, i got to back up some for y'all. Just as you who were one, one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience. So they too have now become disobedient in order that you may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone under disobedience so he may have mercy on them all. That's what the law did. It bound everyone under disobedience. Is that not true? It's when, I, it's when I gave you, you know, you might go along thinking how you were living was absolutely wonderful. And you, when you looked at yourself in the mirror, you could say, man, I am just the prettiest thing I've ever seen. But then God could go, they think they're the prettiest thing they've ever seen, right? How about I just give them an image of what perfect is? 613 laws, period. This is perfect. <laughs> I just got ugly. That's what the law was supposed to do. To bring, because if you are not aware of your sin, what will you ever not do? Repent. You'll never repent. And if you'll never repent, if you, if, if you as a wild olive branch think that your wild olive branch ways are beautiful, what will you never do? You will never be grafted in. So the law is grace. The 
because if the law can expose how ugly you actually are, then you will never actually let go of your old system that you think is beautiful to take hold of a new one. So it's the grace of God to show you how ugly you are. Does that make sense? See, you think that, that you think the law is opposed, grace is opposed to the law and the law is opposed to grace. No! Anything the law God gives us is grace. For him to show us a portrait of what sin is is nothing but grace. Because he doesn't just show us our sin and go, nana nana boo boo. You can't touch me. He says, here's how ugly you are. And you go, he'll go, and then he goes, hey, I can fix that. Take my hand. And when at that point, when you're low and you see how ugly you are, that's the only place you're apt to go. <laughs> because so long as you see yourself as dun 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 my version of righteousness, I am stellar. See, you'll either accept his offer of mercy now with regard to your disobedience, or you will stand and look at his flame-filled eyes with no reach for mercy. No hand. You're in the great pause right now. The pause, what do I mean? See, Jesus, whenever he read Isaiah, I'll just go there real quick. Isaiah 61, is that right, Mike? He's way better with addresses than I am, except when I put him on the spot. <laughs> Isaiah 61, it is. Okay, the spirit, now listen to this, y'all. This is what Jesus quoted, right? He quoted it. The spirit of Adonai is on me because Adonai has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. This is this day. This is this age. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Welcome to today. To proclaim liberty to the captives. The opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of Adonai's favor. And then he stopped. It wasn't time for this yet. And here's the next line. To, and to proclaim the day of our God's vengeance. Are you? But he's coming back as a lamb. Can I show y'all this? Can I show y'all this and y'all won't get offended at the word? Okay. Isaiah 66. The vengeance time. We haven't come to vengeance yet. That, that's, that's the chapter that's still coming. See, there's two comings of Christ. One's mercy. One's severity. One's kindness. One's, there's a severity coming. But the day, of, the day of mercy is open to those as the fullness of the Gentiles come in. That we're, we're in the day of all those things that the anointing was upon him. Come on. You see, all of a sudden, you all should be thinking about your lost family members. Go on. And I know. I know y'all are. Thus says Adonai, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where then is the house you would build for me? 
Where is the place of my rest? For my hand has made all these things, and all of these things came to be, declares Adonai. But on this one I will look, one humble and of a contrite spirit who trembles at my word. One who kills an ox is like, the one, is like a man who kills a lamb. So in other words, he's holding everybody under a certain degree of righteousness. I'm going to move on down. Mm. I don't think this is the right. I think it's 64. Well, no, I'm going to, the one where, I'll have to find it, where his garment is soaked in blood. Who is this whose garment is soaked in blood? No, it's in Isaiah. If it is in Revelation, it's quoting Isaiah. It says, who is this one coming from Basra whose garments are soaked in blood? Is you, you find it? Is it? You find it for me? Perfect. Thank you. Where is it? Perfect. Thank you. Who is this coming from Edom? That's also uh, in, uh, in crimson garments from Basra. The one splendid in his apparel, pressing forward in his great might. Here's his second coming, guys. This is not a baby in a manger. Y'all want to hear it? It is I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is your apparel so red in your garments like one who treads the winepress? I have trodden the winepress alone. From the peoples, no man was with me. I trod them in my anger and trampled them in my wrath. Their lifeblood spattered my garments, so I stained all my robes. For a day of vengeance was in my heart, and my year of redemption has come. I looked, and there was no one to help me. I was amazed, but there was no one assisting me. So my own arm won victory for me, and my wrath upheld me. So I trod down the peoples in my anger and made them drunk in my wrath. I poured out their lifeblood on the earth. Do you know now why he said he stopped at to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of the Lord's favor? Because when he comes the second time, <clears throat> there's going to be two harvests, according to Revelation. There's two sets of angels, two harvests. The first harvest is for the righteous. The wheat is gathered into the barn. We see the angels with the sickles. The second harvest is the grapes. The angels harvest the grapes, and they put them in the wine press. That's called the grapes of wrath. See, this is the imagery right here, to be trodden underfoot. And Revelation says, until blood flows to the height of a horse's bridle. That's his second coming. Now, hey, you're like... <laughs> Was this in Sunday school <laughs> when I was a child? Now, see, and I'm not, now, now all of this, this may be kind of heavy for you. It's, it's a, do what? Probably so. <clears throat> but see, there's still, we're still in the time of what? Kindness. And so, but see, here's my thing. Here's my thing, guys. That's a really terrifying day. But people who die away from the Lord, 
have lost their opportunity to bring any change in their life. So the urgency is not, well, when that day comes, it's going to be bad. If you're not, if you or your loved ones don't know the Lord today, it's not good today. Yes, and you know what, Andy, and that's a good point because you see here, we don't get to see the portrait of us here, do we? And I think the alone there, the alone there talks about how his own redemption, it was solely him and him alone who brought forth the redemption. But then as we look that we see in Revelation, there's going to be some people dressed in white. I don't think it's even going to be our fight, though. I really don't. I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong on this. <clears throat> I think he's going to be such an efficient fighter that my sword's just going to be like one of those officers just for show. Oh, made me pull my sword. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like Barney Fife. Like one bullet. Don't make me use it. So anyway, I know that's a little bit, maybe, maybe that's a little bit of a, that's a little bit of shocking. Because there, there's a reality to this. And so, now, I'm going to pick up. I'm going to move over. What time is it? Okay, good. we got a little time. So, I wanted us to understand. It's so important that we understand the, the, who we are. And understand that if, you, if you've got a, a, a theology, a belief system that, what, you know, these are, these, are, these are the, what I showed y'all. These eschatological systems of interpreting end times. That if you have an eschatology, an end time belief that doesn't involve the salvation of Israel, which post-millennialism and all-millennialism just doesn't. They re in, in both of these systems, the church replaces Israel. It, and so those are the troubles I have there. I can't go with it. Now here... <clears throat> This church is going to be considered dispensational premillennial or historical premillennial. This is where you're going to find yourself fitting in some mix in there, probably. I don't know. I mean, I don't know all of y'all. But that's what the difference in these is pre-tribulational or, or premillennialism. That means we believe there will actually be a literal millennial reign of Christ. Okay. Now, where <clears throat> we will differ in this room in that, is with regard to when the rapture will happen. Dispensationalism comes in, and they say, dispensationalism says, okay, okay, we see there's a difference in Israel and the church. But is there a difference? There is. Dispensationalism is needed in order to build a case for pre-tribulation rapture. If you, do, if you take dispensationalism off the table and you just include one unit, then you no longer need dispensationalism. And now you're brought into the narrative in one scenario. And I, I said a lot without saying anything there, I know, because I didn't want to. You see what I'm saying? So if you take, so dispensationalism is a vehicle that you can make an escape on. And it, which may or may not be. This is where you have to know 
the actual system you're working with. You have to. And you have to be studious enough not just to take my word for it or somebody else's word for it. You need to know what they believe. See, Tim, let me see this book real quick. He's re- I love this. He's got this book, and he's reading this. And he's like, I got it for somebody else, but I can't give it to him yet. And he, and he knows, but he knows what he's reading here when he's reading. Because he came to me this morning, and he said, I'm reading this. He said, now these are all dispensationalism. He didn't use that word, but he said they're all pre-tribulation rapture believers. And so he knows what he's reading when he's reading it. So he knows this is a viewpoint, and he's studying that viewpoint. But see, he knows there's another viewpoint out there, and he understands the importance that this is not worth fighting over, is it? It's not worth fighting over or dividing over at all. But what it is worth is for us to know what the Word says. And my big thing is I want us to be prepared for whatever may happen because I would rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. So the only, and I know this is my, the reason I'm doing this and the reason I am, I hope I'm sometimes scaring the bejeebies out of you and maybe making you worry. I want you to be that way because the reason I'm doing this is because I know the greatest enemy to every single person in here, including myself, in the days that we live in, is deception. Number one, and you just said the re- what deception works on, ignorance. Not stupidity. Stupidity is, you know, you just can't learn. Ignorance is not learned. And so, see, I want you to be learned in this because I want you to be prepared for anything. And I want you to be able to look someone in the eye and to walk them through these things and not get, you know, when you start getting mad? You know what makes you angry when you start, if you start getting into something, you start arguing over theology? You know what it is that makes you angry? Fear. You start disagreeing somewhere and you don't know the answers, so you get afraid and you get in your, and in order... Because pride and fear kind of go hand in hand to work in arrogance. And so you just get bowed up and you just start getting angry with that person. And all you've done is build a big wall between you and them. And you all have not gotten anywhere. But when you come, to, you don't have to know everything. But you do need to be responsible for what you don't know. And especially you need to be responsible when you know where to find the answers. This is an open book test. And let, let me tell you about an open book test. When your teacher, professor in college, or even a high school teacher tells you it's going to be an open book test, what do you do? This is what I do. Great. I would rather have a review any day of the week and be a closed book test. You know why? Because open book tests are hard. They're hard. When they say, when a teacher says it's going to be open book, you better prepare for a doozy because you're going to be, that teacher, him or her, are going to be trying to trick you because you got all the answers right there. Are you saying God's trying to trick us? No. I'm saying you got all the answers right there. Don't be a moron. You know what I'm saying? Look for the answers. So I'm glad you're here today. Y'all are all here. That's for people you know who are not here, right? Okay. What is it? False events appearing, that's, that could be good, that's good. So I'm, next week I'm going to give you all a revelation breakdown. We've got like five minutes here. I wonder first before I get into this, 
Do y'all have any questions about what I'm saying? Is anything I'm saying not clear? Yes. Or some. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's good. Okay, let's go. I'm, one, I'm glad you said that. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Let's say this right here. Okay, first, let's just let the word speak, right? First Thessalonians. Let's go there. I'm glad you brought that up, Tim. That's a good place for us to go. First Thessalonians. Now, we covered this last week, but some people weren't here, and let me get my glasses on. First Thessalonians 4. Okay. I'm going to go 13. For we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers or sisters, about those who are asleep. Paul's talking to them. So that you don't grieve like those who have no hope. For we believe that Yeshua died and rose again. So with him also we're all going to rise again. For the Lord himself, okay, 16, will come, shall come from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the blast of the shofar. And the dead and Messiah shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain or left behind will be caught up together with them in the clouds. Where are we going to meet? In the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Now concerning the times and the seasons of when that's going to happen, he says, I don't, I don't, there's no need for me to tell you anything more. I'm like, well, I'm glad you did, Paul, because we'd been dumb here. For you yourselves know very well. What do we know very well? That the day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night. When they say peace and safety, sudden, so a thief in the night comes and there's, then they, the sudden destruction comes on them like a woman having birth pains in the womb. There is no way that they will escape because once labor starts, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark. You're not in the dark. You're not they. You're not the they here. The ones who are caught like a thief in the night are who? The ones who are uninformed who are not the they's here. But you are not in the night. So let us not sleep as others do because you're going to be prepared. You're going to be sober-minded. That's why we're studying. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Y'all are not sleepers. You're not at, you don't walk in the night. And those who get drunk, I hope you don't get drunk and you don't get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober-minded, putting on the breastplate of faithfulness and love. You, you know, disciples ought to be faithful. Faithfulness looks like a certain behavior. It just does. I can't help it. And the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not destine us to wrath, but to obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us. So whether we're awake or asleep, uh, whether you're awake. Okay, now let's go to, so we're not destined for what? Orge, wrath. We are destined for what? In this world, you will have. And you know it's coming, right? But you don't have wrath, but you do have tribulation. How many of y'all have ever, I wonder, show of hands, who has experienced tribulation? <laughs> if you had in your line, that's right. That's right. That's exactly. Okay, so now let's go to 2 Thessalonians 2. Now listen to this. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah and our gathering together with him. What we're studying. It's like Paul knows. Not to get shaken out of your minds or disturbed either by spirit. Oh, a spirit. So you can have lying spirits around this. I hope I'm not one. Either by spirit or word or by letter as, as though it's from us, as though the day of the Lord has already come. So people were spreading rumors around saying, Lord's already returned. The day of the Lord's already come. And I will tell you that all millennialism, they say that the, that the day of the Lord, the, the kingdom has already transitioned. 
that's, yeah, that's so anyway. That's just a little bit of information. Um, okay, that no one deceive you. And so, okay, three. Let no one deceive you in any way. For the day, you listening? For the day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Who's the man of lawlessness? The Antichrist. And the one destined to be destroyed. Who's, who's destined him to be destroyed? No. No, listen. Okay, back up. Let no one deceive you in any way. For the day, that day, the day of the Lord will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. The rebellion, the rebellion is the Antichrist kingdom that is set up on the land. And Satan sets himself up under, he's, see, the Antichrist is the vehicle. He's a human, he's a human, but he is actually possessed with Satan at some point. Now, when he first starts, when he first starts his reign, I don't believe, when he first starts, the white horse begins to ride. I don't believe he's possessed with Satan at that time. I believe he's not possessed with Satan until he's cast out of heaven. Three and a half years in, toward around that time. And then he goes off. The Bible says in Revelation 12, he goes off in great wrath. Satan goes off in great wrath. Great wrath. Because why? Why is he mad? He knows his time is short. So we're going to get to this later. The man of lawlessness is revealed, the one destined to be destroyed. God has destined him to be destroyed. Let me tell you this right here. Big, big, great clue, number one. You don't need to be afraid. You know why? God's running this show. He is running this show, and he knows exactly how it's going to play out. God's not going, oh, no, what move do I do now? Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. The rebellion is coming. And oh, yes. We got people being mowed down just shopping for underwear and tennis shoes. The spirit of Antichrist is already here. But the man who will actually be Satan on this, let, y'all, let your mind just, not only will he be Satan on earth, he will be given powers. Who lets him have those powers? God lets him have the powers. What are the powers? To deceive, to do miracles, signs, and wonders. Holy cow, Batman, you better get your word on. That his, he's going to be so deceptive, it says, if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. Deception. So are we ready to go? So next week, so tribulation is, is thelipsis, the Greek word thelipsis. In this world, you will have thelipsis. But you are children of God, you are not appointed to orge, not appointed to wrath. How many of y'all are glad of that? I don't want to be on the wrong side of that sword of Isaiah 63, do you? Lord bless you.